Warning, animated context contains spoilers, explicit language, and general tomfoolery. Neither of our hosts are experts on any topic and you should not take their opinions as such. Listen at your own discretion and enjoy. Hello and welcome to Anime Out of Context, the show where I attempt to explain the sometimes weird, sometimes wonderful, but always hilarious world of anime. And I fall asleep only to face a nightmare on Weeb Street. I'm Sean Rollins. I'm Remington Chase. Greetings, kitties. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're going all, all Crypt Keeper on me. Well, Remington, that's because it is my favorite time of year. It's Halloween! Eh, close enough, at least. <laughs> I'm fairly certain this is coming out, like, a few days before. Somewhere in that area. But for us, it's Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> Which means that because it's such a great holiday, I feel like the real treat is the season, and so we don't even need to see any anime today. But Remington, <laughs> this is a season of fear, horror, and general nightmares. We've already had plenty of that this month. I've had my tricks. Give me a goddamn treat, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> the past two weeks have been brutal. Well, Remington, I've tried to be nice. What are you talking about? I mean, okay, so the first anime I showed you this month was a little... Worst thing I've ever seen in my life? Yes, but the second one I showed you was... Also one of the worst things I've seen in my life? But I had some good intentions, Remington. <laughs> oh, God. I'm just really hoping that this isn't just the month of horror for me personally, and that maybe, just maybe, we can squeeze out a single good thing this month. Well, I mean, technically, Helsing was a horror anime. Y yeah, and it was a really, really bad one. But Remington, don't you live off of bad horror? Ah, oh, yeah, but it's it's not the same, Sean. It's just not the same. Then what kind of horror would you like to experience, Remington? Oh, see, my my ideal horror—it's one of my favorite genres. It would have more mystery. It would be more uh, intriguing. It would be dark and spooky rather than just more shown in bullcrap disguised as horror. So what you're saying is, <laughs> oh God, not Helsing. Not Helsing in any way. Okay. I'm not going to show you Helsing. <laughs> <laughs> Problem solved. We got it taken care of. I don't think that that means problem solved. Don't get me wrong. I will never pass up an opportunity to not watch Helsing, but I feel like there's a whole lot more for me to be worried about. Than just Helsing. Yeah. Well, Remington, I have it set up today that I was going to show you one of a couple different things. I had a couple different plans in mind. Okay. Because, you know, Halloween is a special time for the pair of us, and mm -hmm. I wanted to do something that was within the spirit. So I thought to myself, well, I could easily do what I did at the beginning of the month. Oh, no. I could pick something just absolutely terrifying and horrifying to Remington specifically, uh. and it would really fall in line with... You know, the spirit of things. Problem with that is, though, I did that earlier this month, and I don't think he could handle another dose accurate. so soon. Very, very <laughs> accurate. 
The other thing I had in mind was to find a truly good, most genuine horror-filled anime I could find. I like this option. I mean, yeah, it's a great option. <laughs> and I looked and looked, and I saw a lot of really decent options. Watched a couple different shows, and I thought to myself, these would all work fantastically. Yeah? But there's something I've been putting off. Oh, god damn it. <laughs> I've been putting it off for quite a while now. Uh, because it was actually a recommendation. Oh, recommendation. All right, who recommended it? Well, it was a lovely person by the name of Uliana. <laughs> you sound very confused on pronunciation. Uh, but I, I, remember, I remember that we got an email. This was a long time ago. August, actually. Oh, man, yeah. we are backed up on recommendations. <laughs> well, it, the reason I haven't gotten to this one as soon as I have the others is primarily because the anime we're talking about is very hard to discuss. Oh? Yeah. What do you mean hard to discuss? Well, because, Remington, this is one of those anime that kind of had an influence on Western culture and anime as a whole. Oh, okay, so I'm just going to tear it apart systematically is what you're saying. Fantastic! But the thing is, I'm probably going to help you this time. Oh my god, it's something Sean hates! I don't hate it. Aw, oh, Sean despises it! It's not that I hate it. It's one of his worst things. It's it's one of those things that I recommend everybody watches at least once in their life, if they are of the proper age, because this is a very rated R film for a reason. Oh, wait, film? Oh yeah. Film! We're watching a movie, Remington. Oh! Oh! Oh boy! Yep. So, you're not gonna have to watch multiple episodes of something, just one movie. How long is the movie? Two hours. Oh, it's a long movie. That's not too long of a movie. It's too long for me. Okay, all right. And so it had a big impact. Is it something that I would have ever heard of? Possibly. Ooh, possibly. That Be means it's something very common. Uh, yes, uh, for us as Westerners, as it were. Be okay. Because there are a couple different animes that have come across from Japan that really popularized anime in the States today. Of course. Uh, things like Dragon Ball Z, Cowboy Bebop, uh, you know, your typical shonen stuff like that, uh, Sailor Moon for your shoujo fans. Yeah, Death Note Spirited Away as some others. Yeah, Gundam, yeah. things like that. Uh, this is one of the really big ones from the 80s. Oh, no. Yeah, there's that little bit of horror in it for you. <laughs> we have watched one thing way back from the ancient times and that in our ranking episode was ranked the lowest for me because it did not stand the test of time in any way shape or form yep god damn it but this one is different because it kind of does stand the test of time kind of okay but the problem is is it's also very much a product of its time Okay, so what are we getting ourselves into this week, Sean? Tell me, Remington. Have you ever heard of Akira? Akira. That sounds familiar. I feel like I feel like I've heard of it. You probably have, and I can almost guarantee if you've ever watched any animation between 1988 when this film was released <laughs> and now, you will see some cinematic shots in animation that are directly referenced from Akira. Oh, wow, okay. Because it also had a huge impact on the animation culture as well. Mostly with things related to motorcycles. Motorcycles! <laughs> God damn it. What's the problem, Remington? 
This is going to be a bunch of shonen ass bullcrap from the 80s, and I'm gonna hate it, and it's gonna hurt, and it's a movie which makes it even worse. Thing is, Remington, if you hate this movie, it's not gonna be because of that. Oh? There are uh, two main reasons I expect you uh, to hate this movie. <laughs> oh, God. And which, quite frankly, if people hate this movie, I think that's fine. Oh, hey! Question. Do anime fans share that opinion so that when I inevitably hate this, they will understand and be reasonable? Of course not, Remington. <laughs> no, that's not how anime fans work. Because this is technically a staple in the anime community. Oh, so I gotta just continue tearing down what people hold closest to them. Because yes. it does have a lot of shonen elements, but it's definitely more of the seinen variety. Remember okay, seinen? Yep, yep, the more mature shonen. Yeah, because this film is rated R. It contains, well, all of the following. Violence, gore, nudity, suggestive themes, drug abuse, alcohol, war crimes, violence, genetic experimentation, and just general fuckery. Oh boy! Okay, so what exactly is it that we're watching? <laughs> what, what is all of this about? What is, what's going on? So, this film, Akira, it starts out in 1988. Okay, the year that it was released. released. Yes, so it was technically a modern piece at the time. Yeah. The opening shot is of a nuclear explosion. <laughs> oh, God! Is, is this going the route that I feel like it's going? Probably not. Oh, okay. Then it's it's all not okay. going the uh, post-apocalyptic world of Fist of the North Star, which you are terrified of. Oh, it was so bad. Instead... There is a massive explosion in the heart of Tokyo, destroying most of the city. Okay. The story takes place many, many, many years later in the rebuilt Tokyo, now called Neo-Tokyo. Fair enough. Yeah. And this movie properly takes place in the year 2019. So a year from now... <laughs> oh man, I can't wait to see what the world is gonna look like in 2019. What exotic technology we will have. What brand new ideas will have been brought to the forefront. Oh, I am sure that they have just nailed it. Well, I'll be honest with you, Remington. <laughs> it's gonna be a bit like if... You were in the 80s, <laughs> and all of the sudden, everything got a little more future. <laughs> so you're gonna lot, you're gonna see a lot of fashion choices that seem very 80s, but at the same time, you're gonna be looking around and be like, "Huh, that is very cyberpunk future." Oh my god! So it's just Neo 88 basically <laughs> essentially but that's just the setting man oh my god that explosion eventually sparked world war three oh god damn because of course i like how it, it started it rather than it going on while world war three was going on like it was just like yeah we're going to nuke you and it's like yeah, all right reasonable cause for a war frankly you'd think you would have waited for a war to actually start well, which country nuked them? Do we ever learn? Uh, no. Aww. Because the thing is, the explosion is what sparks World War III, and nobody is taking claimed. <laughs> what? Yeah. And, of course, that causes tensions to explode, because in the 80s, that's kind of the 
end of the Cold War period. I really want there to just to be a dramatic reveal at the end of Akira that it was just an accident. Like somebody just sat on the button that's like, hey, launch a nuke at Tokyo. And so then it was sent and they were like, ah, crap. But to be fair, why would you nuke Tokyo of all places? Because of the weebs, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> this was back in 1988. It wasn't as big of a problem back then. <laughs> but we could have cut it off at the source. I feel like that if two nukes previously had something to do with this, I feel like a third wouldn't add anything to it. <laughs> I don't know if third time's the charm. Don't get me wrong. I love all of our listeners. But y'all are weebs. <laughs> <laughs> but in all seriousness, though, yeah, it starts World War III. Um, and after World War III ends, Neo-Tokyo and Tokyo in general is kind of a military state, in a sense. Okay. The military controls everything. Uh, and crime is kind of running rampant as well. Because there are people rebelling against the imperialistic style of the government. And there are biker gangs. Which is okay. kind of where our story begins. Okay. Because our story follows the Capsules, which is a small biker gang uh, that are currently at war with another rival biker gang called the, the Clowns. The Clowns! Yes, it's Clowns versus Capsules. Oh my goodness. And in the midst of one of their conflicts, a small psychic... Twist psychic. Yeah. This is so goddamn 80s. Oh, yeah. Comes across them in the middle of their conflict and injures one of the riders. Wait, the psychic injures a rider? Yes, because... Do the... they just use some force powers? Basically. <laughs> okay. So what, All right. what happens is, is they're fighting this conflict. One of the riders gets separated from the rest of the group, uh, a fellow by the name of Tetsuo. Tetsuo, okay. Yep. Uh, you know where you've heard that name before? Uh, yeah, oh yeah. Yeah? Yeah, it's a, it's a familiar name. Yeah? yeah. How, how do you feel about that? I don't like it. <laughs> I'd prefer if it just didn't exist. What if I told you that this Tetsuo had a personality? That's preferable. Yeah? Hopefully a decent one. Yeah! Oh, shit. Yeah, but he almost crashes into the psychic, but of course the psychic reacting stops it with psychic powers, guy crashes, is injured... And the psychic is recaptured, and the guy injured is taken away. Okay. And the movie basically goes from there. It's the mystery and just the environment of Neo-Tokyo. You have the biker gang who were... So is this going that sort of, like, grungy noir type deal that you would often get in those style of movies and media where you have the main character walking out on the rainy backlit streets. There's harsh lighting, harsh shadows. There's a monologue overlapping everything, just discussing how terrible and grungy everything happens to be. A little bit, but <laughs> not too much. Oh, okay. Uh, allow me to read you the brief synopsis that I pulled up for this. Yeah, let, let's hear it. Clandestine army activities threaten the war-torn city of Neotoki. When a mysterious being with powerful psychic abilities escapes his prison and inadvertently draws a violent motorcycle gang into a heinous web of experimentation. Oh boy. As a result, a biker with a twisted mind embarks on a path of war seeking revenge against a society that once called him. <laughs> that is the edgiest, grungiest thing we have heard yet. All right, so what is... 
What is Tetsuo trying to do? What's he trying to accomplish? Who's he fighting? Is he fighting the gang? Is he fighting the psychic? Is he fighting the state? What is he fighting? Honestly, the conflict with Tetsuo is mostly with his own inadequacies. <laughs> He's fighting the true villain of himself. A little bit. Uh, <laughs> because Tetsuo is... Uh, often coddled he's a member of this biker gang but he's considered he's always is always being rescued he's always being taken care he's basically has the biggest inferiority complex imaginable okay and he gets drawn into this web of psychic exposure because he was exposed to the psychics and people are experimenting on him now and basically this is a very dark move let me just put it to you that way dark and edgy which is a plus usually for me unless you're helsing and terrible yes i i'll be honest i don't know how i'm going to feel about akira i'm unsure going into this what my thoughts are going to be because it in my mind, based on what you've told me so far, there are some potential harsh negatives, but there are also potential very strong positives. So I'm very interested to see which one is going to win out by the end. And quite frankly, Remington, the thoughts you're expressing right now is what everybody has about Akira before they go in to watch it. Oh yeah? Because the thing about Akira is it's uh, critically acclaimed for a lot of reasons, uh, mainly animation, music, visual storytelling, things like that. Yep. But at the same time, watching it is probably one of the most uncomfortable things you can do. Ooh. Not in the same way as Watamote or Love Chunibyo, uh -huh. uh, but in the kind of... Mm, it's one of those movies where I almost recommend everybody watches it at least once because it gives you an idea of the time period as well as the where animation has come from and where it's going, yep. as well as storytelling and things like that. Oh, yeah. But you only have to watch it once. Oh, boy. Well, if it's going to make me viscerally uncomfortable on that dark, edgy level... You might like it. I think I'm going to like it, because rarely do I feel that way. And if I can, then that is a decent piece of media right there. Yeah, but honestly, I'm not certain you will. Because it does a few things fairly wishy-washy in some regards. Uh-huh. Which, you know, it's the 80s. A lot of film and television and especially animation. <laughs> they didn't know how stories worked. In a lot of cases, yes. <laughs> but inadvertently, this has become one of the most influential anime films of all time. Wow. Yeah, because of how much of an impact it had over here in Western culture, uh -huh. as well as it had just an anime in general. Okay. Because I'll tell you right now, there's going to be a scene within the first five to ten minutes that you're going to see it, and you're going to be like, I've seen that animation shot before. Oh. It's a very classic scene with a motorcycle uh -huh. sliding away from the camera. Okay. You'll look at it and be like, oh, I've seen that before. Akira is kind of the thing that really popularized that shot, as well as many uh -huh. other shots in animation as a whole. And people will belovingly reference it because Neo Tokyo is actually a very interesting totalitarian society. Uh, with a lot of really dark and twisted things that could have actually happened to our society, save World War Three had happened. All right, so here are a few things that I think have the potential to make or break my opinion on Akira. And these are the things I'm going to be looking towards the most, I think. First of all, 
Tetsuo needs to be a great character because it sounds like he is the overarching main character, high emphasis on him in every single regard. If he's going to be the one carrying this movie, he best be interesting and non-one-dimensional. So that's one important thing I'm going to be looking for. Number two, world building. It sounds like they're putting a lot of effort into this, and so I hope to see a really interesting world that is decently fleshed out and it feels like it's living and breathing. And then three, I'm going to be looking for all of those details. If it's had such an impact on everything, then it should have the details to back it up. And that applies to the storytelling, the visuals, the world, everything. I'd say those are three things I'm definitely looking at. Well, I'll tell you this right now, Remington. I have a prediction. Oh, a prediction. Now, as someone who's seen this movie a grand total of three times now. Oh, boy. Uh, which... Again, don't recommend, <laughs> but I had to for research purposes. Yep. I think you're probably going to go the same route you went with Spirited Away. Oh, oh no. <laughs> I hope I'm wrong, but... So your prediction is that on the other end of this, I'll be talking about how great it is and how I didn't like it. Yes. <laughs> because that's the opinion a lot of people have about this movie. Ooh, all right. All because right. you just end it and you feel... Ugh. But at the same time, you're like, I want to say this is a good movie. Okay, I'm interested it's to like, see how this is going to It's like go. reading The Catcher in the Rye. Yeah, okay, okay, I'm, I'm very interested. This is going to be great. This is going to be fantastic. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. And if you couldn't tell, the reason I have postponed this for so long is because of how complicated of a film to talk about it is. Like, the film itself is very straightforward in a lot of ways, has some nice twists and turns, but... but... <laughs> I'm just waiting for for the listeners to hear me super excited and optimistic at the end of this, and then for, like, the second half to start, and the movie has just beaten the hope out of me. <laughs> yeah, that is definitely likely. There are several other characters that I didn't mention, but again, it's a movie? I can't really give you too many details. Of course. I gave you the basic premise of how the story starts. Yep. Uh, the main central character that is kind of that re the story revolves around mm -hmm. Tetsuo being, uh, but there are several other auxiliary characters that push the story forward. Them being the psychics that you run into, the rest of the biker gang, the military folks, uh, just all those characters. Well, I can't wait to meet them all. Yep, and meet them you shall. This is our Halloween episode, and we are delving into the dark, twisted world of Neo-Tokyo with Akira. Gentlemen, we are back after watching the entirety of the 1988 hit film Akira. All two hours of it in Remington. How you feeling, bud? I don't know. I have no idea how I feel. Maybe we'll figure out in the next half hour or so, Sean, because right now I'm clueless. I'll be honest with you, Remington. That is how just about everybody who watches this movie <laughs> in this day and age feels about it. <laughs> Myself included, actually. Yeah, because, I mean, there's there's a lot to it. Uh, I'm of the opinion that I think it is 
a decent movie. Uh-huh. And the things that it did for animation as a whole, as well as anime and Western culture and things like that, is phenomenal. But man, is it a movie. <laughs> it is, in fact, one thing can be said about Akira, if nothing else. It is, in fact, a movie. Now, before we break it down step by step, do you have any predetermined thoughts that you want to focus on as we go into this? Um, I would like to say, right off the bat, that anything I say in the next half hour is entirely nullified. This is a terrible movie because they killed two dogs. So... <laughs> I knew you were going to have this bias. So no matter what I say, I just want everyone to know <laughs> that within the first five minutes, they kill two dogs. So it's objectively terrible, but we'll figure out <laughs> what other opinions I have on it shortly. Well, Remington, if you were being hunted down, you were bleeding from the gut, and you had two dogs that were looking to come and bite your head off, You'd just let them do it? I mean, I'd probably try to run. Well, that's what he did. Yeah. And he couldn't run very far when he's bleeding out of his kidneys. That sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and you're still going to condemn this man for shooting two dogs. You killed a dog. It's just not acceptable. Well, aren't you at least happy then that he got filled with literally like a hundred bullets? There were so oh. many bullets. <laughs> so many unnecessary bullets. And then he like sort of twitches and they fire a hundred more at him. Oh my God. Okay. So now that we have your clear bias out in the open, <laughs> we're going to have to do our best to disregard that bias. Yeah. Which I feel like you're going to have the, a hard the time. The rest of the half hour will me be assuming that that did not happen so it could hypothetically be a good movie and even though it obviously can't because they did kill two dogs i'm gonna ignore that and see imagine what if they didn't do that essentially you know funny thing about this is remington <laughs> as soon as i saw that for the first time watching this for research i was like oh no he's gonna hate this movie <laughs> i was actually planning on watching it with you and as soon as it got to that part, fast forwarding it. <laughs> Just skipping it. Yeah, skip that two minute block and <laughs> you'll be like, hey, why'd you do that? I had a reason. Oh, uh, but I didn't think of it when we were watching it. And I was like, oh, no, too late now. He's, <laughs> he's seen the dogs. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll ignore it and pretend it didn't happen for the rest of the review. So long as our listeners are well aware of that fact. You're basing the entirety of this critically acclaimed film based on the fact that two dogs are dead. <laughs> yes. You do realize there are plenty of good movies out there that have had dogs die in them? By definition, fall. Old Yeller? Terrible movie. Uh, I Am Legend? Terrible movie. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. Uh, was there a dog death in Fox and the Hound? I can't remember. Oh, there might have been. If there was, terrible movie. <laughs> Oh, Remington. It's a very simple rule, Sean. You'd think they'd know by now. But it's supposed to make you feel something, Remington. Yeah, and it makes me feel like it's a bad movie. Oh, dear. <laughs> well, fine, fine. Without much further ado, let's break Akira down bit by bit. Now, if you haven't watched it yet, I do still recommend you go and watch it because it's an experience, to say the least. Yeah, I think, I think that it's worth watching. But that... And we're going to get into some massive spoilers, which, yeah, you can't really help that unless you're talking about movies. Oh, yeah. It's just the nature of the beast. So this is the final spoiler warning, and then we're just going to jump right into it. 
Okay, Remington. So the scene opens up rather dramatically, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I thought that it was a very nice start because it opens up, you see 1988 Tokyo, and a nuke goes off. And there's not any crazy sound or anything. It's far away, it's distant, it's a cold, it is a silent cold opener, and I thought that was a great touch. Yep, it is one of the best openings in film history, honestly. Oh, without a doubt, just the fact that they didn't overload you, they didn't make you feel like this was dramatic and intense and sensational, you know that. So they just look at it from a distance, let it happen, where the only noise is some white noise in the background, and then silence, and yeah. that is it. Basically just a... Yeah, which is just very, very powerful of an opening when you have such a dramatic, intense event. I thought that was greatly contrasted, and it greatly contrasts... It contrasts with the highly visual part of the movie that happens all the way through. And visuals is where Akira truly shines. Oh, yeah. If you want to talk about a movie with art, style, and just generally good animation, Akira is worth mentioning. Oh, yeah, it definitely has elements that are obviously it was animated in the 80s however there are other elements that are stunning especially with the colors that it has truly remarkable but you know Sean I said in part one there were three things that I was going to focus on and those three things were so first I said I was going to be looking at Tetsuo I was going to be looking at how good of a character he is because it's going to mainly be about him and I was correct that it is mainly about him he is easily the most important character over any of the others but he is kind of a prick he's not a good character he definitely is not and not just that he's a complete utter asshole which he is but he's not a very interesting one he doesn't even have a great arc because the arc could have been something very similar to, say, Lord of the Rings, where, yo, you find power and it corrupts you. And the point is that power corrupts you. But the problem is he was always an asshole. So power just still made him an asshole. It didn't change him in any way. But they tried to make it feel like he changed. It tried to make it seem like once he gets these psychic powers that he does, that suddenly he's a villainous evil corrupt individual but he that was not surprising he had no redeeming qualities at no point was he showing any warmth or humanity to literally any character except at the very end which you get a bit of a flashback and at that point it just don't really care yeah it's too late you need to have that all throughout and so you can't just shoehorn it at the end to tell us it's meaningful so on that criteria i think akira definitely failed tetsuo was not a great character nor would i argue were almost any of the others there was one decent character and literally every other character was horribly done in my opinion that is generally one of the big complaints people have about this movie uh, people will always talk about Akira for the style, the setting, the overarching themes in it, the mental effect it has on people, the heavy dark tones, but you rarely talk about the characters in this. And the reason why that's so difficult is this is a very character-driven story. And because it's such a character-driven story, that means that if you have poorly developed characters with very poor connections between each other, 
it's going to suffer and suffer i think it did that was my first criteria the second one was world building and oh boy this it did well oh yes the world is phenomenally developed it doesn't push too far into the pseudo future elements that i was definitely anticipating it had a light sprinkle of them that was acceptable especially considering it was based in 2019 which has obvious humor in it now <laughs> definitely a product of the times but it does strongly establish this world around it i think it tried to make it feel much more complicated than it was though that is a general critique not only to the world building but to the story itself but other than that, I think the world was very strongly developed, very vivid, and very interesting. And if anything, I'd say that this is almost the sole reason why it is so popular. And I would not doubt you for saying that, man. It is one of the biggest reasons people come to this show. Anytime you see a movie that is cyberpunk or futuristic in any way, with that kind of dark and grungy futuristic take on things... Especially if it's animated, people always refer back to Akira. One thing that is very interesting to consider is, have you ever heard of the film Ghost in the Shell? Yes. Okay, you are aware that was an anime film in 1995, correct? I'm, I am now. Okay. One of the, it's one of the big anime films. We'll do an episode on it eventually. Ghost in the Shell might not have happened if Akira didn't. Okay. Another movie that might not have happened? The Matrix. Oh, man. It, basically, any movie with that kind of themes coming after Akira... It, it might not have happened just because of the fact that Akira had so much influence on Western culture as a whole. It definitely helped pave the way. So I definitely think that when the time goes and eventually Akira is but a memory for me, I'm not going to remember the story or the characters, but I definitely will remember the world. So those are the first two. And finally, the third one that I said I was going to be paying extra attention to is the detail. And this one is mixed because... The details for the world and the visuals and the sounds, all of those were phenomenal. They had great little details as you watch it through. But when you get to the details of the story and the characters and the plot and the pacing, those were all very subpar. I agree for the most part. There are some soft twists that happen throughout the story that you make you go, oh... But aside from that, it's nothing groundbreaking, nothing that's really going to keep you talking about the film for years to come. The only thing that will keep you talking about the film for years to come, aside from all the stuff we've talked about previously, is the shock value of some of the things we've seen. Oh yeah, especially when we get to the end, which we will discuss in a moment. But with those three things, we have one very negative, one very positive, and one mixed. So you can see based on the main criteria I said I was going to be looking for, why I can be a little bit confused on what opinion to have. And now you understand why I was so hesitant to do an episode on this, because of all of the tiny things we can talk about this movie. People have been breaking down this movie for years. 
Oh, yeah. And I thought that when it came to its execution and its style, I thought that oftentimes it was very strong. It would often show you that it's going to very edgy and grungy without going too far. But at the same time, it definitely indulged in some moments of excess where all of the characters are just bags of blood and any swatting of them will have it pouring out in an instant. Whereas other moments and the better moments, I would argue, were a lot more subtle. They didn't stay on it too long. They just had a very quick moment of some brutality or intensity, and then they moved on. So as they're moved on, you're still stuck on that moment. I thought those were a lot stronger than when it tried to emphasize it very strongly, very highly, because it was those moments that it felt like it was doing it to be controversial, to be over the top. And those, because of that, were a bit weaker for me. Understandable. So, shall we get into it scene by scene as best as possible? Yeah, well, let's discuss the the broad narratives, as it were. So, after the explosion, it cuts from 1988 Tokyo all the way to present-day Tokyo, which is uh, uh, Neo-Tokyo is the name of the new city, the city that they built on top of the wreckage of the old in the year 2019. In the distant future. This could happen next year, folks. <laughs> so, you have this guy running around with this blue kid this zombie kid going about and he's trying to run away from this authoritarian military uh, long story short they catch him and they they shoot him a billion times and then a billion more times and then they capture the kid that's that's the long and short of it uh then it cuts to the interactions with the capsule gang which their name is never mentioned in the movie i don't know if you noticed that yeah yeah, yeah. I, I had to look that up myself uh, because, you know, I have to do research for these things. <laughs> yep. And we get introduced to the uh, characters, the two really main characters in it. Oh, yeah. You've got Tetsuo, who is the, uh, you know, wimpy, clumsy underdog kind of member of the group who's very angsty and very easily upsettable. And then you've got Kaneda, who is the uh, leader of this group with the really cool red bike and the cool red jacket with the capsule on the oh, back. Oh, Canada. You've been making that joke all night, Remington. It's the only thing that gives me life. <laughs> sure as hell didn't help those dogs. Oh, low blow. Yeah, it was too easy, though. At any rate, we're introduced to these characters and realize they have a conflict with another local bike gang known as the Clowns. And it cuts to them riding around the town, uh, beating the ever-loving crap out of each other, a couple of them exploding, one or two of them dying. Although they say injured, let's be real, they died oh, hardcore. Yeah. In all the hustle and bustle, Tetsuo gets separated from the group, chasing down one of the members. That member gets in an accident, because, you know, that's how these things happen. Uh, he rides by, smacks him over the face with a crowbar, and then crashes into Psychic Kid, who, of course, defends himself with psychic powers, blows up the bike, and then the military comes... Uh, the kid is captured, and Tetsuo is taken away with the military as the rest of them are being brought in for questioning to try and figure out who the heck took this kid out of storage. Are they with the rebels? That kind of thing. Yeah, and ultimately, one of the things that I really wish happened with the gangs 
was that they were fleshed out a bit more, or at least the capsule gang. Later on, it shows like how close they're supposed to be with one another, but it very much is a telling rather than showing type thing. They'll be like, oh no, they died, our partner, our member, and I'm so sad about that, but we don't see that warmth. We don't see these bonds between them, so you can't expect us to feel like they're super close when you have never established that. It's one of my biggest gripes about this whole thing. All of the relationships just felt like, hey, these people care about each other, just so you know. Yeah. And while they are being interrogated, uh, the military is like, well, it's obviously not these guys because these are just a bunch of punks. Yep. Uh, kick them out into the hallway. But uh, Kaneda, being the, uh, <laughs> the way they phrase it, is skirt chaser. Yep. Which another 80s thing oh yeah it was all especially all of the females super 80s uh sees a picture of one of the people that was captured thinks whoo i like that one and uh, sees her in the crowd and is like hey there's another member of our gang can, can she come with us and he's like yeah yeah whatever go take her which again very poor poor decision making on their part yeah and it doesn't much add up no is it ever even explained why she was there in the first place uh because she was captured along with the rest of the group in yeah that she was just riot. she was just just like in the vicinity yeah because so she, she like, was yeah, a, sure because spoiler alert she was a member of the rebels yeah and so uh they they talk and it's not super interesting i'll be honest uh though it is one of the more interesting interactions that they have which tells you something quite frankly they have the most they have the best character relationship in the entire movie. We have to be honest about that. But it ain't a great one even then. Yeah, it's still decent, though. It's not the worst, but it's not the best either. It's all you're going to get from this movie, basically. But after that happens, she's like, thanks for saving me. See you later. You're kind of a creep. Because he is kind of a creep. Which is kind of the best thing about him, honestly. He's the only decent character because it shows that, yeah, he's an asshole, but he also cares. And sure, he's not very well fleshed out even then, but he's the only one with redeeming qualities. Yep, and then it cuts back to... Tetsuo's situation in the lab where we're introduced to a couple, uh, a doctor and a military guy, the Colonel. I forget his proper name, but everyone just calls him Colonel. Uh, he, he's basically Nappa from Dragon Ball Z. Just, oh, yeah. Just Nappa Light. 100%. Uh, even though Nappa didn't exist, uh, when this movie was made. <laughs> he's Nappa's pa. Yeah, if you've ever seen Dragon Ball Z, you're gonna think, oh, look, it's just Nappa. Yep. But and so <laughs> they're doing a bunch of experiments. They talk about Akira a whole bunch uh, it really, the, the story doesn't get at all interesting until the end. It feels like it just sort of meandered scene by scene until it got to, like, the final third. Yeah. Because they're just talking like, oh man, Akira, all these psychic powers. Oh no, suddenly Tetsuo sort of has psychic powers and he's learning how to use them a little bit, but... And then you got the blue kids and they're all being the creepy psychic blue kids. <laughs> that's all they are oh uh, yeah a little bit but after waking up in the hospital tetsuo does what any kid would do if he woke up in a strange place he gets the hell out of there which by the way horrible security precautions 
If you have this kid who has been exposed to psychic energies, which is why they took him, to make sure that, you know, everything was on the up and up, but turns out he has some kind of psychic potential, you'd think they would have had better security precautions, but no, no, he just manages to walk out of the hospital. That the burned. government is good at exactly one thing and one thing only in that movie, and it's putting out fires. They are so good at putting out fires. Every time a fire is started in the city, boom, immediately eliminated. It's very impressive. Which is uh, great because 90% of the time the city is exploding. There's so much exploding. Like, it's amazing. And thankfully, the fire, hilariously enough, the fire putting out is great for the world building as well. It's real nice. Because there's a scene where there's a fire in a tunnel and these automatic fire extinguishers go off. And I thought that was really cool. Oh, yeah. But anyways, yeah, not so great at guarding people. No, not at all. Uh, he gets out, goes back to the school, steals Kaneda's bike, saying that he just wants to run away because he had to be rescued again because he has this massive inferiority complex, which is his driving force throughout the whole movie. Yeah, so he steals his closest friend's best possession to run off with the girl, and then... He ends up getting his ass whooped by the other gang. Yeah, because he doesn't know how to drive the bike properly, and they did foreshadow this, but eh, you know. Stops, gets his ass kicked by the gang, which, you know, I, I suppose that's gonna happen when you have a very bright red recognizable bike. Yep, and then Kaneda comes, and he saves him yet again, and Tetsuo is like, You didn't need to save me, I could have totally taken them as I was being pinned to the ground. And beaten the ever-loving Christ out of. Oh, he's just so annoying, and it was at this point that I realized how bad of a character he was, because he is treating all of these people who care about him like utter garbage and they still are giving him chances even though he has no redeeming qualities whatsoever not a one maybe if he had any of the redeeming qualities any at all then it would be reasonable but he doesn't the only time we ever see any sign of him caring is when it's too late near the end of the movie oh yeah but we'll save that for later essentially after crying like a baby, leaving, and leaving the girl that he took with him behind, after she had been beaten bloody. Oh, yeah. He goes off, he gets captured, he has a massive psychic episode that is, quite frankly, fairly gruesome and creepy in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah, there was a lot of nice, creepy imagery going on, very grotesque, very visual. So, more terrible things happen, and it sort of, like, unlocks his psychic powers in a lot of ways. Yep, and after... Being taken back to the facility, being experimented on a bit more, his powers awaken, and he breaks out. Yeah, and then we just go into, like, Lord of the Rings style. You have superpower, you're using it, and things are going bad, right? So he gets the powers, and he just starts wrecking everything. Yep, and all while this is going on, Kaneda happens to catch a glimpse of K. That is the rebel girl that he rescued. Yep. Spelled K-E-I. The one he wants to bang. Yes, the bangable one. Uh, can I say that? Is that a thing that we can say? <laughs> I feel like we've said worse. We have, probably, but uh, just to be safe, I'll say that it is okay to say. <laughs> oh, thank goodness. Yeah. Sees K at a rebel incident, decides to follow her uh, in the middle of one of their clandestine operations. He follows her, she gets separated from the rest of the group, and she gets cornered by two police guards. Yeah, I, I didn't care about anything that was going on here. Any of the B stories were so irrelevant. Yeah, 
And what happens after that is they run into each other. Uh, Kaneda rescues her from the cops. She shoots a cop in the face. She freezes up a bit because, hey, shooting someone in the face is not something, you know, you should be used to at the age of 17. Which, by the way, all these characters are between the ages of 15 and 17. So, Which is also pretty crazy. Yeah. But they save, and then they go, get more trouble, saves her again, and then they go, and they find this rebel handful of guys that she was looking for, and they're like, who's this? And she's like, nah, he saved me, it's fine, and then they argue, and none of it matters. None of it matters. And the only reason this matters is because they mention Tetsuo, he overhears it, and is like, I gotta come with you guys, he's my friend. Uh, so they take him along on this clandestine mis mission, and that's how they uh, reconvene. Tetsuo is in the process of going after these psychic kids who have traumatized him with quite the horrible imagery. Yeah, and suddenly the first psychic blue kid is working with the other two psychic blue kids, which I don't feel like it ever adequately explained because the first psychic blue kid didn't seem interested at all, but then he was given the offer and all of a sudden he is all in. And so the, he goes, they square off three psychic blue kids versus one Tetsuo. Tetsuo whoops their asses because they're children. And so, oh man, he's like, where's Akira at? And the psychic blue kids are like, oh, he's over by the Olympic Stadium, but he can read their minds, that's how he knows. Yeah, oh, and we didn't mention this, but throughout this entire thing, anytime he gets an episode, he gets flashes of communication from Akira. We never hear these communications, but he mentions them. Yeah, he's like, oh man, listen here, Akira, talking to me right now. I'm gonna get ya. Uh, also around this time... Uh, Kaneda and Kay, they show up and they're like, Tetsuo, what you doing? And he's like, you guys can fuck off. And then he fights them a little bit. And then he goes, he erupts everything and he runs away. Basically. And the big mystery of this whole movie, the big mystery is who is Akira? What is Akira? Yeah, and there's like this one really weird hippie science rant from k but actually from one of the psychic blue people that's all about how there is a force within each of us that has gone back through time and uh the other characters like oh yeah because genes that's how evolution works the you dumb bitch it was the and, 80s people didn't know better <laughs> <laughs> and and then she's like no don't be ridiculous he's some magical life force and it lasted before even to the plankton even to the amoeba even to space dust itself has this magical gene to it. And it was like a really weird talk about just... It was hippy-dippy 80s bullcrap. It was basically the force from Star Wars is what it was. Truly. And so... Uh, it, it's somewhat signaled that uh, Kira maybe is something else and that there's something going on. Everybody has this psychic power, but they just need to unlock it. Super 80s. But eventually Tetsuo, he goes and he finds where Akira's at. He unleashes it. And then you find out that Akira is dead. He's dead. He's so dead. He's he, dead. He's so dead. He's in like several jars. Yeah. <laughs> he, he just placed it into a bunch of jars, different types of specimens. And he's like, what? And then the soldier guy is like, yeah, he's dead, homie. So you're looking for him. Meanwhile, he's been destroying the entire city this whole time. Uh, uh, which is hilarious to think about because people have been trying to do so many things to stop him. Firing tank shells at him, bullets, gas grenades, everything. And my favorite part... <laughs> One of my favorite parts is a tank rounds a corner, sees him, is like, that's the guy we're supposed to kill? It's just a kid. He's like, yeah, 
kill him. <laughs> and this whole time, Tetsuo just walks up to a mannequin, rips off a dress, and makes himself a bright red cape. It just really shows how big of an asshole he is. Yeah, and it was, <laughs> quite frankly, hilarious to me. Uh, because you know you're an asshole when you stop to get a cape on your mad villain spree. Oh, yeah. So, he just found out that he's dead. The soldier tries to stop him and it's not working. Kaneda tries to stop him and it doesn't work. Kay, who is now being possessed by the blue people, she tries to stop him. It doesn't work. Nobody can stop him. And then he starts transforming into this whole eldritch horror beastie like this gargantuan monster of sorts very grotesque really nice imagery uh, and he just i wouldn't say nice imagery <laughs> <laughs> like i was a little queasy watching that a the very first time. interesting imagery <laughs> like basically picture a person now picture them with no bones and turning into an eldritch horror of jelly monstrosity of veins and tendons muscles and bones and fluids and really it's scary <laughs> Oh, yeah, and then everyone starts getting consumed by it, and eventually the blue people, after Kaneda's consumed by it, because Kaneda's like, oh, maybe my friend, my friend is in there, my friend is there, and feels some, like, skewed notion of compassion, uh, and then he gets gobbled up. Yeah. And so then the three blue people are like, oh, man, he didn't deserve to get gobbled up, maybe we can save him, even though they've never shown to care about Canada, because why would they for any yeah. reason any more than they'd care about the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people who've been dying this whole time who also didn't deserve to die but they're like let's if we all head in together maybe we can save them meanwhile uh, akira jars have been broken and it's unleashed this super light hellscape basically what happens is they focus all of their powers to kind of summon akira themselves wake him up so that he can take tetsuo away using the same blast that spoiler alert destroyed the city in the first place yeah and so it's just a nice little nuclear bomb part two essentially it consumes tetsuo everybody else Fortunately, there's some teleporting going on, so you have a few people saved. So, uh, Kaneda, he's saved. He's teleported out of there. Kay, uh, Kay's saved, I think. Yeah, she was nowhere near by the time it happened. Like, she... Yeah, she's, she does, she's doing dandy. The soldier, he's safe. Uh, nice and dandy. Uh, the three blue people probably screwed. They probably got gobbled. Yeah, no, they d they went inside the explosion to be with Akira and Tetsuo just to, and to get uh, Kaneda out. Yeah, and it's talking about how, like, oh, man, this power hasn't been seen since the birth of the universe, which is a really weird line that I don't really understand what it was trying to imply. So that is one of the big things. So the movie ends with Tetsuo and everything being consumed. Uh, the city is more or less destroyed again. Oh, yeah. And the Olympics are ruined. <laughs> yeah, the Olympic <laughs> Stadium, which this all took part in. Uh, it was 147 days away, and something tells me they might have to move it. Yeah. Because uh, it has been wrecked. The ending of the movie is them finding out Kaneda's alive, being grateful for it, uh, Kay and his other biker buddy, the one that actually had interactions with yep aside from the one that died there was one that died but the interactions weren't solid enough for you to they care. were all surface level yeah uh and he's like hey is tetsuo dead and he's like i don't think so 
To us, he's dead. He's very fucking dead. Oh, so dead. <laughs> he's very dead. Uh, and to them, he might as well be dead. But the way they spin it is what ends up happening is a very skewed version of multiverse theory. Yep. Where the creation and con- condensation of all this energy created a brand new universe. Uh, where basically... The universe is Tetsuo. Yes. Actually, that is the big, the best way to describe it. Which, fine, I guess... But it's like, eh, it didn't have as much impact as you think it would. If we had cared at all about Tetsuo, maybe. Maybe we would have cared about the idea of him becoming the energy of a new universe. But, well, mm. I feel like one of my main problems with Akira is that it has a very simple plot. It's just Tetsuo ends up getting psychic powers, it corrupts him, he messes everything up, and he stopped at the last minute. That's the story. That is the only plot that matters at all in this entire movie. But it tries to make it feel so complicated and convoluted and thus makes it complicated and convoluted unnecessarily. And I don't understand why, especially because it made none of the characters matter in any way. There were probably about five subplots we didn't even mention and we didn't even have to mention because they weren't super interesting and they didn't have a huge impact on things. They never made me care about the characters even though the story was exclusively about the characters and so ultimately for me yeah it was super beautiful and the world was captivating and the soundtrack was really nice but as a story it was not good nope it falls flat on so many levels there are so many good details so many threads that could have led to something magnificent and wonderful just kind of flow into the wind like those creepy fleshy tentacles oh yeah so ultimately i don't think that i can like akira because sure it's really interesting to watch and it's very visually nice but i feel like i would get an equally good if not better experience if i just had it on mute in the background so you're saying good art piece such a good art piece not a good movie and see this is where our opinions slightly differ i believe because of what it's done for things that in and of itself it's a decent movie not a great movie decent Uh, enough but yeah i probably wouldn't watch it again if i had to yeah i definitely wouldn't be super interested in it and it seemed like maybe there were a few messages and a few details that I could glean from watching a second time. So it wouldn't be the worst movie to watch for a second time, but it's not one I would do by myself by any means. Yeah, and for those of you who are saying to yourselves, well, did you read the manga? There's a manga? There is. There is a, I believe, six-volume manga that goes through the whole story. (gasps) Holy cow. Yeah, which, you know, that's actually kind of small in terms of manga size. Oh, God. Uh, Which I'm sure it goes into more detail, and it has all the little nuances and character relationships you're hoping for. But there's just something we got to say right here, right now. I've subtly mentioned it before, but I'm mentioning it hardcore right now. The manga does not matter. (laughs) I will tell you this right now. I love anime. I love manga. I love a good anime manga adaptation. But when we're talking about something completely separate from the manga, which is in this case a movie or an anime show, manga doesn't matter. 
If you can't get the same message across in the movie, then eh, it doesn't matter. Yep, we're judging the movie for the movie, not in any way its connection to external material that it may be based upon. But with all that being said, it was an interesting experience, and I think that it was worthwhile, but I don't think it was great. And that is the exact same opinion I have. And so many others, in fact. Uh, the reason this is as popular as it is is for nostalgia factor for a lot of people, and because of all the great things it did for the rest of film and media as a whole. Oh, yeah. But watching it now? Yep. It's worth watching. <laughs> yeah. Once. Yep. Maybe twice if you're really interested. Oh, yeah. But at this point, I've got to ask Remington, want to go see it again? I think I'm all right. <laughs> you know what? So am I. <laughs> Once again... Thank you so much for tuning in. We really appreciate it. If you enjoyed our rather in-depth commentary or just our weird zany antics in general, leave a review on whatever platform you listen to us on, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, anything really. Word of mouth is probably the best way for us to grow. We would like to thank Uliana for her fantastic recommendation. Hopefully you enjoyed the episode. And if you'd like to send us feedback directly, whether it's a comment, question, or... And if you would like to send us feedback directly, whether it's a comment, question, feedback, or recommendation, then you can send it on over to animeoutofcontext at gmail.com. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in, and I'm going to go watch something happy now. 